Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast. On today's episode, we'll look at Ralph Rennick's impending appointment as the new Austria manager. We'll look at what that means for United towards the end of the season and long term. We'll look back at United's draw with Chelsea and we'll look ahead to Monday's match with Brentford as well. Samuel Lutkus joins us today. Samuel, how are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Rich, how are you? I'm very good as well. And Tyrone, how are you? Uh, I'm good, thank you, Rich. Boyd, by the weekend sunshine, I can see tantalisingly just out of reach to my right. And you're both buoyed by United playing a game and not actually losing for a change as well. Uh, we'll get on to United versus Chelsea, which you were both at in a moment. But yeah, the big news here on the Friday's record, this is the confirmation that Ralph Rennick will take up the Austria job at the end of the season. He will still have his consultancy role at United, although that is a, a minimal one at, at that. And, you know, he says that he's still focused on on trying to make United great again. I'm not sure I used the sort of Donald Trump speech when he said that. But uh, Samuel Ranić's appointment, what does that mean for United? Good question. It's, it's interesting that someone who has come in and has uh, assessed things in such an objective and uh, pretty cutting way uh, mo- most recently, uh, even advising you know a, a pretty severe cut with with open heart surgery in regards to the um, the restructuring of the squad is um, is is already it feels like they're they're being ushered out now. Of course, this this offers come from the Austrian FA, so that's that's not United's doing at all. But already, I think everybody would be surprised if he is still. It, in two years' time, a contracted consultant at Man United. The, the the environment at United for quite some time has been one of of compliance. You you can see that in the hierarchy that's still reflected, even though Ed Woodward isn't there anymore. Uh, John Murtagh has been the football director. Uh, he's, he's been the football director for just over a year, but he's been um, in, in the structure at United for. I think eight years now, um, or, or nine years even, nearly. So there's there's, there's pressure on him. Matt Judge and Richard Arnold, uh, they they know Ed Woodward going back to their days at the University of Bristol as well. So uh, we've we've covered all this ground before. But but Rangnick was the one who who um, stood out because his his background was very different, and and he was an, an actual sporting director with the Red Bull Group, and. A lot of what he has said in recent weeks, you've it's it's been very difficult to disagree with, and he's he's taken it to extremes at times. And the quote about ten new players uh, in in the post mortem at Anfield last week, you you can imagine the heart palpitations a family in Tampa would have been having when when they heard him come out with that. So it probably, from the Glazers' perspective, 
it's got to the point now where that they might be, you know, might quite might relish uh, seeing the back of Rangnick because his his face just doesn't fit with the way United are approaching things. It'll be interesting to see how Eric Ten Hag settles in uh, because I think when Rangnick was 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 appointed by United and there was maybe a suggestion that he would have input on who the new manager would be. I think Rangnick, sorry, I think Ten, Ten Hag always seemed a little bit more aligned with with Rangnick as a coach, even though Rangnick as a coach, as a manager, um, but before he even got that United role, I think we were all saying, why, why do people keep mentioning him in these in these conversations? And it's it's been obvious why, just watching United in the last four and a half torturous months. Uh, so I don't think he was ever going to have a real hands-on role, particularly when you've got contracted personnel there in, in Murtagh and Fletcher, even though they aren't as good at what they do as, as Rangnick is. I mean, Rangnick is a much worthier football director or director of football or technical director, whatever um, whatever phrase you want to use, than, than Darren Fletcher or John Murtagh. And although Rangnick has failed, the people above him have been failing for, for a number of years. So it's that they're the ones who have to be held accountable. In a way, this was a free hit for Rangnick. And uh, the way he was talking last week, it sounded like he wanted something a bit more secure for his his final working years, because I suspect that the Austria job, however long that ta- however long he's in that role for, that will be his last job in football. He's turning 64 soon. He's going to have two pension plans on the go. So it's it's nice work if you can get it. And if he is to have a legacy at United, it was always going to be uh, transfers rather than tactics. But it remains to be seen what his input in, in transfers is is going to be. I was going to come to you that on that tie, actually, in terms of the legacy of Ranić, And, you know, he's given some hard truths to the club as well. And as someone said, maybe at times there's been a bit of hyperbole. He's gone a, a bit far to really in, reinstate just how much work is needed at United. Fans, though, do seem to quite like his honest approach, um, you know, and that he's maybe a bit more no-nonsense. But then again, this is Ranić who said he had no problems with Paul Pogba playing his best form to, to get a new deal elsewhere. And someone who hasn't always backed up his team selections with what he said in press conference as well in terms of giving people a chance. But what do you think his, his legacy will be and how do you think he'll be remembered by United supporters? Um, yeah, I mean, United supporters seem to love him, even though he's presiding over a spell of absolutely terrible football. Um, and I I do wonder if his sort of more critical media comments now are something that he's almost playing on, that he knows it, it's winning in favour that the supporters are appreciative of him. I'm sure it won't go unnoticed how popular he is among supporters. Even though, as Samuel said, as a coach, he's been a disaster. There's no other way of, of, of looking at it. He's he's won 10 of 26 games. Maybe only one player has improved under him in Alanga. Maybe two with Sancho, but I don't think Sancho's taking huge strides. Um, but yeah, his, his critical comments do win favour with fans. The fans feel like the club needs some, some home truths and Ranić has certainly delivered them. But I'm sure him and his his advisors are aware that it's it's playing well, and it is kind of changing opinion of him. When in reality, you know, speaking to people in the press room last night, people who watch that team week in week out see huge tactical failings that he's done very little to improve. Um, you know, there's been absolutely no pressing, and all right, the, the players aren't probably aren't suited to it, but there's been none of that at all. That that again last night, I mean, we'll come on to it, but it was a it was a disaster tactically, a complete disaster. Um, and yeah, I mean, in, in terms of what he was actually brought in to do, I think it's been a failure. 
Um, he's he's getting away with it in a way because he is very good in press conferences. He's very open. He's very critical. Um, and that's obviously playing well because the season has gone down so badly. But I think in terms of coaching, I think it's been a disaster. Um, I think he's failed to win any respect of the players. I think the same is true for his, his coaches. I mean, Chris Armisen, you and Sharp will disappear after this and never get a big job in Europe again or possibly any job in Europe again. I mean, they are complete unknowns to the point that, I mean, none of us had ever heard of them. No, I don't think any Premier League observer had ever heard of them um, until they come in. And for all the criticism of the, the players this season, I think it's entirely understandable that if people that you've never heard of are brought in to try and coach you, then they're going to have to win you over. And they just haven't. And that's not that's not to be critical of footballers. That's the same in any job. Anyone listening to this, if someone came in as your manager who didn't deserve to be in that position, you wouldn't immediately jump on every idea they had or agree with every idea they had. They would need to win you over. So that's nothing, you know, that's not different in football to any other industry, I don't think. And Ranjik and his coaches simply haven't done that with United um, and with those United players. So... I think in you know so far it's not worked. His coaching and his tactics haven't been good enough. Consultancy role is going to be interesting, like Samuel said. I mean, I I, I don't see the point in in going on with it. I mean, how many cups do you need to make an omelet? There's Murter, there's Fletcher, there's going to be Ten Hag. Do you need to phone Ranjik just to run it by a fourth person? Um, you know, it, it sounds like it's going to be very recruitment based, telling the club to sign young players. I mean, he did that in his press conference last night, how, you know, how much impact does he really need when there's already people in those positions at the club? And like Samuel says, Ranjik is better qualified than those, but he's not going to take Murta's job. He's not going to take Fletcher's job. So you, it does feel like this consultancy role will just kind of fizzle out, I guess. I mean, I guess it's good to have him on hand in the first couple of months of, of the Ten Hag era, but you can imagine by Christmas or early next year that, Simply no one's picking up the phone to him and, and he doesn't see the need to pick up the phone to United. Yeah, exactly. And it just adds another sort of layer, like you said, there, to, to muddy the structure a bit more. And like you said, what, what's the point in running it past Ranjik? And he's already told them clearly enough of what they need to do. It's down to them to actually go and implement it. So like you said, it'll be very interesting to see what role, if any, he does have going forward. So United versus Chelsea, one all on Thursday night. Uh, Juan Mata and Nemanja Matic both say it was much improved afterwards. Juan Mata said United gave it their all on the pitch, but I think anyone watching Samuel will see that United were clearly second best. Very fortunate not to lose the game. Defence was shambolic at times. Midfield was non-existent. But Cristiano Ronaldo, the problem, the problem solver again for United. Um, what did you make of the game? Well, I actually thought United... <clears throat> would avoid defeat just because Chelsea have been going through the motions in, in league games of, of late, uh, somewhat understandably, given the, the manner of their Champions League elimination by Real Madrid, where they, they played brilliantly in the Bernabeu and, and they should have gone through. But Chelsea were, were really on it last night. Um, it was it was close to their best team. They were intense. They played at a good tempo, um, playing probing passes, very energetic United probably enhanced them, if anything. I mean, Chelsea, speaking to some of the guys who, um, our erstwhile colleague, in fact, James Robson, who now obviously covers Chelsea, he was saying that normally they have a lot of the ball, but they don't they don't create that many chances. But last night, they should have been should have been out of sight at half-time. If they had a reliable goal scorer, if they had Ronaldo in their team, they would have wiped the floor of United. Uh, it's unfortunate for Chelsea that they spent nearly £100 million on, on Lukaku, who... 
the last three or four months for whatever reason has just turned the tap off and um that that looks like a pretty dire situation there and that he he's he's going to be difficult to shift if they do want to get rid of him i mean when he came on he, he couldn't dribble past alex tellers now i think i could dribble past alex tellers it doesn't look like it's very difficult for most footballers to do that and phil jones got the better of him as well so chelsea were very creative but you you saw we, we were sat right by the one of the analysts how apoplectic he was with Kai Havertz's finishing. Uh, Thomas Tuchel was berating Havertz after fluffing his lines with those chances. And uh, yeah, they, they, they'll have been coming away wondering how the hell did they not win that game? Uh, some of the tactics were just so basic. I, I had a bit of sympathy with Tellez in that he kept on being drawn inside like a, a moth to the flame because Mason Mount was stood there. And that was because nobody was on Mount. And of course, then that created a big gap for Reese James just to run, um, you know, pretty much camp out in, in United's third. And of course, the goal came from there and he almost scored uh, at 1-1 as well when he hit the post. He, he was probably a man in the match, I thought, Reese James. He was he was excellent. And again, that's that's the standard of where United need their fullbacks to be at. But their fullbacks are a million miles away from that and they're not going to get to that level either especially from from right back and in in fairness to Matic he he, he rallied not just with that uh, clever clip pass for Ronaldo to score but in, in trying to shield the back four as well because he was a one-man midfield McTominay was atrocious he went down in the first half and we wondered whether he was injured whether he was carrying on with an injury injury or not he should not have come out for the second half um I mean he really did look like with all due respect to, to Scottish people out there but he really did look like a Scotland international coming up against a reigning world cup winner and a reigning European championship winner it, it was so so easy and and again the other issue with that was that Fernandez was not mucking in enough as well. Jorginho and Kante uh, are ostensibly deep-lying midfielders, but they were just jogging past him and they had the space um, once they got past him as well. So it was chaotic again from United. Whatever tactical acumen Rangnick had at Schalke and Hoffenheim and some 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 unknown german club i mean this is it's, this is preposterous that united even appointed him as manager when you when you put it like that um whatever it was it it's it's been lacking for most of this season and they were very very fortunate to to get a draw in the end it was it was that cliche of you you're at your most vulnerable after scoring and chelsea made a couple of careless um, mm. careless errors during that passage of play and it was a clever pass from matic Excellent finish by Ronaldo, but the performance, I mean, it, it was only an improvement in that United didn't actually lose the game. But again, I, I know the elite, the real elite are City and, and Liverpool and Chelsea are way off them, but Chelsea resembled them for large swathes of that game last night, purely because of how shambolic United are at the moment. And as I said, it was it, they, they were fortunate to to get a point out of it. Yeah, and I guess the other two sort of caveats are, to me, watching it, it seemed like Chelsea were still sort of had extra gears to go into if they had to. They just were a bit complacent at times and, and could turn up again. And again, like you said, United actually played quite well at, against Arsenal in spells. You know, it was quite a good performance. So I, I think the Chelsea was a drop off again. And Ty, it summed up United's season though. David De Gea, some good saves in goal, and then Ronaldo doing what he does with that one chance, great finish, and again just proving his his critics wrong. But in terms of what else you saw on the pitch, were, were there any other 
performances of the people who started that you thought were encouraging at all, or was it simply just Ronaldo and De Gea again? Um, well, I mean, I thought Matic's performance was encouraging, but encouraging for his next club rather than United, considering he's going in a few weeks. Um, I think my highlight of the season is probably when Phil Jones and Juan Mata were stripped and, and ready to come on. Um, that was that was an iconic. That was like one of those out of context United Twitter accounts, wasn't it? Oh, truly iconic moment. I feel like it was 2014 again. It was it was fantastic, like rolling back the years when there's four teenagers on the bench and you bring on Jones and Mata. It was it was brilliant. Um, and I thought they both did quite well, actually. That was probably United's most convincing 11 minutes of the game once those two came on. Um, I mean, to give him his due, Phil Jones has actually done all right when he's played this season. He was unlucky to come off at, at Anfield as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, in terms of the rest of it, like you say, it's De Gea and Ronaldo, isn't it? I mean, no one else will get a vote in the Player of the Year stakes. Um, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything else that was particularly encouraging. Just thought they were second best all over the pitch. And as Samuel said, it was it was the tactical things that were a concern. That that infield run from Mount to leave Reese James with the entire space on the left, on the right, happened again and again. And it happens in every Chelsea game. It's like they hadn't watched Chelsea. It's like they have no idea that's what they do. They play a back three, Mount makes that run, they ping it to James, and they just they couldn't deal with it. And they have no idea it was happening and how to stop it. And Ranić said that that substitution of, of bringing Jones and Matter on was to try and counteract that. I mean, that was after 79 minutes when they could have conceded four or five goals via that route. Um, and like Sammy said, I mean, the midfield, considering Chelsea essentially played a 3-4-3 and just had two men in midfield. I know Mount can drop in and, and make up the numbers, but Jorginho and Golo Kante ran all over three United midfielders. And it was just... There was one incident in the first half. I think it was when Kante hit the side netting after about 20, 25 minutes. And United tried to press Chelsea. They played out. They got the ball to Kante, who was maybe 25 yards from his own goal. And when he looked up, the next United shirt in front of him was Varane. The midfield had just <laughs> gone, completely missing in action. It was hard to believe United were playing in midfield. Um, and it just, I mean, looking at that made, made you realise that they probably need more than one midfielder this summer. Like Samuel says, McTominay had a, a shocker, um, you know, such a confusing player. That, that spell in January when he played holding midfield and, and Fred and Fernandez played as number eight, he actually did all right, especially in that Brentford game. But he just looks way off it again at the moment. His passing was poor last night and, and goes through spells of being really woeful. You know, I think he can still be a decent squad player, but he shouldn't be starting mm. every week and probably not against Chelsea. And yeah, it just feels like they need they need more in midfield and they need more physicality. That's, you know, Ranić has been complaining about the physicality for a while and they just got out, the, the three of them got outrun by two Chelsea players and it it felt like there was a, a physical gap and a gap in terms of not just strength, but power and being able to run forward and, and run at speed. And it recalled to, we were talking about this from the first half actually, um, and Samuel saying how United wingers don't like to run back and that quote from Hassan Hootel, which I think angered a few at United in, in February when he said, it's no secret that they like to run forwards, but their reverse gears are the best. And I mean, it was pretty base level analysis and I don't think it went down well at United, but it's clearly true because when a ball is going in the opposite direction, every week, the opposite number is running harder than the United player. And you just have to look, we talk about Liverpool and City and getting to that level. I mean, just watch Liverpool and look at the work rate of Mane, Salah and Diaz. Like Salah, is, Salah and Mane are possibly the hardest working players in that team and they're the best players and they're the forwards scoring the goals, but they do not stop running back. They'll be on their own byline. They'll be in front of the fullback. 
and you just don't see that at United. And it, you know, it is a case that they just they need more physicality and they just need to run harder than the opposition. And it's not happening. And Hassan Hussle called it, and every team can see it. So, you know, that's something that's that's got to be fixed for for next season. It does just sort of remind you of that infamous tweet, doesn't it? Where it says, David Moy says, Man, yeah. MUFC must improve a number of areas, including passing, creating chances, and defending. Like, just improve all over the pitch. I mean, they need a better defence, a better midfield, and some backup up front as well. There's there's abundance of issues, and it's certain some of those areas will get overlooked. And like you said, Tyler, I think it's very, like you said on McTom, that's just what happens when you're over reliant on a squad player who doesn't have that sort of the physicality and the the energy to keep repeating those runs for, for 90 minutes. He can do it on the odd occasion, do it in, in one-off games. But if he's playing like that against Chelsea, he's going to get exposed. And he's as much a victim of sort of the failures around him as he is of his own shortfallings as a player. And Samuel, Ty's already mentioned it, the substitutions of, of Matter and Jones, particularly when there were so many youngsters in the squad. <laughs> feels like so many times a season, United fans have got excited about the possibility of debuts. We did see one for Alejandro Garnacho from the bench. For a Chelsea game like that, you can almost understand why you'd give them a limited spell at the end just to get a feel for first-team football. They will have had the match preparation and that would be the priceless experience anyway. But do you think that youngsters should have been involved more heavily from the start or even from the bench against Chelsea on Thursday night? Or do you understand why Ranick did what he did and only made that one sub late on? The the starting eleven was entirely predictable. I think it, I even put it in the blog that it would be this eleven, and and it lo and behold, it was. Um, it was it was very paint by numbers. The trouble is, if if you had a permanent manager, they might be of the opinion that they need to pick certain players and drop certain players out of principle because they can't countenance how how woeful uh, certain individuals have performed recently. But when you're an injury manager and you're mulling over an Austrian coaching job and you're going to become a consultant in a few weeks' time, is your heart completely in it? Probably not. Um, that's the way it's been since since December, really. Not not entirely with Rangnick. I think more towards the end, he's he's probably winding down now and there's an element of going through the motions that there wasn't a press conference uh, today they they did the pre uh, the pre Brentford preview post match um against Chelsea probably because Rangnick's in, in Vienna or Salzburg today being being unveiled by by the Austrian FA I, I suppose from a selfish journalistic perspective I was I, I wanted um more more fulfilling playing time for those youngsters because it gives you something to go at. I always go back to that final day against Palace in 2017 when, I mean, the cream of the crop was was Josh Harrop and Angel Gomez came on. Joel Pereira made his debut. Dimitri Mitchell, Mitchell maybe, yeah. played. Yeah, Dimitri Mitchell played. Matty Willock almost came on. He didn't. He had to sit back down. Angel Gomez came on. It was a complete dead rubber. Three, three days later, it was the Europa League final. But because all these unknown lads uh, got some got, got to make their debut and in Harrop's case he, he scored the first goal it was it was uplifting for everyone in the stadium uh, whether you were a fan or, or a journalist because I think you 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 even get a buzz out of seeing um, young players making a name for themselves um, at, at such a young age as, as was the case with with Rashford when when he obviously broke onto the scene against Michelin and and Arsenal in in, in that unforgettable week but I, I just Everybody knew what that team was was going to be, and certain individuals didn't play as badly as they as they did at, at Arsenal. But 
it, there's there's just nothing riding on this run in. I mean, mathematically, United somehow can still qualify for the Champions League, but we all know that's that's not going to happen. There's, I mean, there's. <laughs> there's probably more, there's probably more chance of Villarreal coming back and recovering against Liverpool to get to the Champions League final than than United um, getting fourth and that that tone has been set you know, that was set quite a, quite a while ago I'll go back to the Everton game or even the Leicester game Rangnick's all kept on saying about the Atletico Madrid game and how that just pretty much has ended their season which I suppose it has done but if if you've got a squad that is mentally strong. They shouldn't allow that to happen. And they've had umpteen chances to uh, cut loose of the other top four competitors, particularly that run of games Rangnick had in his first few months. I mean, they they dropped so many points and, and he's been, you know, repeatedly highlighting the games where it, it still clearly gnaws at him that United didn't take three points from, from certain matches. And we've come to this point now where, unfortunately, there's going to be a 15-day gap between the penultimate game at Brighton and the final game at Palace, which is just going to be a waste of everyone's time <laughs> unless it's almost exclusively made up of uh, young players making their debut. So I, I don't blame you for taking the, the day off to, for the... F, is it the FA Trophy final at, at Wembley? Which is, it is, yeah. When Wrexham are playing. I mean, the, the, bigger, the bigger game United-wise that weekend might be the the bloody legends game against Liverpool on the Saturday. So <laughs> that's that's how little enthusiasm people have for going to, to Croydon on a on a Sunday afternoon in, in late May. Yeah, and they might see United team actually win at Old Trafford as well if yeah. they if they do that. Um Ty I was gonna go on to the Brentford game, but I guess Simon said there as well that worth interjecting now that in that in that period there's the FA uh, youth Cup final as well and United on course maybe to set the highest ever attendance in that competition which stands at 38,000 when they played Arsenal in the semi-final in I believe 07 or 09 um, at the moment 35,000 tickets sold for that United versus Nottingham Forest anyone who wants tickets can still get them on the United website £1 each every year uh, all the proceeds go to the Manchester United Foundation as well so if you haven't already got your FA Youth Cup final ticket then definitely go ahead for it because United aren't capping the attendance on that and a chance to see some of those youngsters as well actually get a game but Brentford on Monday tie on, on the bank holiday it was a good game actually last time the two sides met you know United played quite well that was another good showing for Malanga the the, front, you know, the forward line sort of were quite cohesive and obviously there's not going to be too many highlights of the season but at least they, they won there um, what are you expecting from the game on Monday? Oh, um not a lot. I mean, I'd probably rather be watching the snooker final, to be honest. Um, I can't imagine it's it's going to be a classic, is it? I mean, you, you talk about the Youth Cup final there. That is the United's biggest game of the season, um, remaining quite quite comfortably. Um, and it'll probably be, you know, without lifting the hood up and giving away too many secrets, it'll probably be the best performing game for, for us as, as the MEN as well. Um, I think it's the one game people are actually interested in. And... I think we'll see more of the youngsters now in, in these three games. I think it was understandable they didn't play last night. The standard of opposition was tough. Um, the game was in the balance with 10 minutes to go. So I think, you know, as much as I was kind of poking fun at it before, I think bringing Jones and Matter on made um, a lot of sense compared to, to bringing some of the youngsters on. I think we'll see them against Brentford and Brighton and Crystal Palace. Um, so there'll be some interest there. But you can still just see it being a pretty uneventful game. I mean, United season is dead now. There's nothing to play for. Brentford have been in decent form. 
you can't see it being one to write home about. You just hope that, that some of those youngsters play. Exactly. And Samuel, I guess Ty sort of hit the nail on the head there by more sort of pessimism ahead of Monday's match. But, you know, the fact that United are running out of even more excuses to say they might get Champions League football, there is more time to experiment. Surely it should be some players playing for their future at United, but it just doesn't seem to be that way at the moment. It just feels like everyone's going through the motions and everyone's just waiting for the season to finally end. Well, Rashford is probably a case in point there. He was, he was utterly ineffectual against Chelsea and he's he's had a dreadful season and he, he must be longing for it to to end. You can imagine there are some players that could could think up of an, an injury excuse just to get out of that final game and, and maybe hit the beach before the season ends because there's this this long gap between, as I said, the, the penultimate game at Brighton and the final game at Palace. Uh, mentally, a lot of players checked out a while ago. It was, it was interesting to, again to see the um, the level of appreciation for for Matic from from the match goers because there's a player who, although he is leaving, has announced he is leaving at the end of his contract. His his commitment is unquestionable and, and he's put in a shift in and he did well for the goal. It's similar with Antonio Rudiger at Chelsea. Chelsea supporters are still chanting his name, even though he's going to probably be joining Real Madrid on a free in the summer. If, if players are putting the, put the effort in and their commitment to the club is unquestionable while they're still playing for the club, match goers are going to show their appreciation. And then, of course, you have others who have not wanted to be at the club for a number of years. And you know, there's no point being about the bush. Paul Pogba is one of them. Then the chances are when, when the atmosphere is getting quite toxic and it's been the worst United season in living memory, uh, the chances are that player is, is going to get stick. And, and other players have been cheered off this season for, for not um, doing well enough. And, and Rashford's body language has, has probably become an issue as well. I know that's an easy... Um, it's, it's an easy uh, certain players who have that that way about them. Marshall's another one. They can be easy targets. R- Ronaldo's had it in the past as well. I mean, he doesn't really conceal his body language, and uh, certainly Ruud van Nistelrooy as well. Towards the end of his time at United, uh, it was it was noticeable that things weren't quite quite right with him. And I think later that year he, he ended up leaving, but. These players are getting a lot of chances um, to to show and, and prove their worth, but nobody's nobody's heart is truly in it at the moment. Um, it, it, you know, it's, it's, I noticed McTominay and Varane were clapping encouragingly after Chelsea scored, and I'm not saying none of the players are committed because clearly some of them are, but the malaise is so chronic at the moment that everyone just needs a, a clean break next season. New manager coming in, new players coming in getting rid of some of the dead wood and some of the players who don't want to be there. But they've they've got to go about it in a very efficient way because Rashford and, and Luke Shaw are obviously two players who are out of contract next year and there are still there are these recurring stories that, oh, they're going to be often new contract. If, if United do that, then, I mean, the club is broken anyway, but they're not fixing it. They're just breaking something else uh, because you've you've got to have a point of principle there where you lay down the law as to what is expected of, of a Man United player. And go, going back to the earlier point about you know, the wingers not tracking back, you've got to start questioning what they're doing with um, the academy players. And, and I, I'm reluctant to say that because the academy is the best thing about United and they're doing an exceptional job. But Elanga is another one, like Marcus Rashford, and um, after him, Mason Greenwood, is another winger that, 
seems pretty inept when it comes to tracking back or protecting his his fullback. And yeah, there was that quote when Mourinho kind of dug out Hazard a few years ago for for not doing that and saying that he needed to development. He needed to um, sorry develop that side of his game, and it was seen as Mourinho being a killjoy. But Ty, Ty said it earlier: the best forwards in the league, and we're talking about the City and Liverpool forwards. They're justifying their existence every week by not just running in the opposite in, in the the opponent's half of the pitch, but their own half of the pitch, and putting in a real shift in defence and attack. And United just don't have that mentality whatsoever. And an interim manager was never going to coax that out of certain players uh so yeah uh roll on the youth cup final at least we've got (laughs) that forward to the week after next but the the final few games are going to be quite torturous unless there's there's some injection of life into them by just pretty much blooding blooding new talent new players good point as well you make samuel that whenever you know i can see the goal it, yeah, I blame. Well, no, I'm not saying you do, but social media users blame Harry Maguire, or they just deride the defence. But you've got to defend from the front. It's everyone on the pitch's job to to put in the defensive effort. You can't just blame the centre backs whenever you can see the goal, which so often seems to be the default for United. And again, there's another area that's going to have to be addressed this summer in terms of the entire overhaul under Eric Ten Hag. Ty, then the Brentford preview. Um, what I know you said you weren't expecting much from the game, but a win. Maybe for United? Uh, you'd like to think so, but Brentford have been in really good form of late. Um, I mean, it was only a few weeks ago that we were saying on this podcast that you could find reasons for United not to win any of their remaining games. I think it might have been after the international break either, even. And what have we had since then? Five, maybe? And they've won one against Norwich and we're slightly fortunate to win that one. Um, you know, you can, it comes to something when you're looking at games against Brentford and Brighton next week and thinking, oh, they're tough. They're tricky. Um, but, you know, they are. And the way United are playing, they've obviously got so many injuries. Um, you know, Jaden Sancho has got the worst case of tonsillitis in in a long, long time. Um, could miss the rest of the season with, with tonsillitis, which seems unusual. Um, and they are. They're just down to the bare bones, aren't they? They've got, hope, hopefully, Fred will be back on, on Monday. But you wonder whether he'll be ready to start. Um, yeah, I mean, you just hope to see an improvement in the performance. But, you know, I've been saying it for a while. The way they're playing, you, it, you, you can't make a case for them easily winning any Premier League game. And they proved that against Norwich. You know, they won that game due to Ronaldo's brilliance. Um, but they conceded a lot of chances. One of the goals came from a mistake, albeit it was good pressing. The free kick was savable. A lot of keepers would, mm-hmm. would think they should save that. Um so, you know, on, on the performance level, you look at them at home against Brentford and you think, should win, but no guarantee. And with nothing riding on the game, you know, I, I would not be surprised if it if it finished 1-1 or United squeaked it 2-1. I think it would be a close game. I don't expect United to be running out easy winners. And of course, United played... Was it United's first game of the season, technically, the pre-season against Brentford last summer and then ended up at home to Brentford mm. as well? Yeah, it was their last... It, uh, no, they played Everton, uh, that, that friendly against that Everton. First? Well, uh, no, the first, first was Derby. I think it was Derby, QPR, QPR. Brentford, Everton. Yeah. So United's season will finish as 
as it started then in terms of Brentford at home. And like I said there, Sancho out of the, the Brentford game, the Brighton game as well, and could return for Palace on the last day, but you have to wonder whether it's even worth putting him back into the squad fight, just give him some time off surely, get him rested ahead of pre-season and the start of it. Um, Fred could return, Maguire to be assessed, Cavani is due is due to return to training as well. Um, but we've heard that so, so he week. won't he won't return to <laughs> yeah. training. Exactly. When do Uruguay next play? Um yeah. Sandra, of course, <laughs> maybe the most interesting thing will be to see what happens at full time on Monday. I mean, customary mm. to do a lap of honour after your last home game of the season. I mean, honour. And the start of the season. Yeah. Bring, bring cabbage and tomatoes and rotten veg. <laughs> yeah. Get 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 it ready. Uh I, I, they they will do it, but the stadium might be might be half empty or, or, or three quarters empty, but it, it's, I mean, strangely enough, when they did it at the end of the Moyes season, um, it, it helped that Moyes was no longer manager. He'd been sat by that point, but the atmosphere was a lot more uh, jovial. That uh, They they beat Hull 3-1. James Wilson scored a couple of goals in his debut. Uh, did, it was, did Tom Lawrence play? In those last he did, games, yeah. Or? He did start. It was his um, it was one-hit wonder. He came off for Ryan Giggs, who made his last ever appearance for United. And it was Nemanja Vidic's uh, final final game at Old Trafford as well because he was he, they'd known for months that he was going to to Inter Milan. So it was quite an oddly for a pretty apocalyptic season. It was quite an upbeat tone that they ended on um, as as far as home games are concerned. Anyway, but it, it does feel very different at the moment that there might be another protest uh, again. Looking at the numbers outside, some of the footage and pictures that I was sent, uh, it, it looked impressive, but is it effective? I'm, I'm, I'm afraid not. I, d- I don't see how it's had any um, major impact on, on on what United are doing or the running of the club. And of course, momentum's going to fizzle out because the season's about to end. So but what really can be done around, uh, around games going beyond, especially as Monday is the last home game of the season? Yeah, it will be interesting to see, but we will have all the updates for you on the Manchester Evening News website. Samuel, Tyrone, thank you very much for joining us today on the Manchester is Red podcast. Thank you, Rich. Thank you, Rich. And thank you once again, wherever you are in the world. As always, please do leave a like and subscribe, and we will see you again next time. <laughs>